Hello, this is Donna Reesh with Raising Kids with Character, Parenting Seminar and Blog, Character Inc. Press, Publishing Company, and Plexus to Feel Great, Plexus Supplements. I am here today to present to you a new seminar. Well, it's not really a new one. It's actually an old one that we are doing um, that I will be presenting next month at uh, Canada. And so um, we're working on eight presentations, my husband and I, for the uh, Kelowna, uh, BC homeschool conference there in Canada. And so I just decided to uh, record some of those and share those here on the blog and on our iTunes um, Wondering Wednesday podcast. So uh, for those of you who are wondering about teaching language arts in multiple grades, multiple areas, then uh, this podcast is for you. Um, hopefully you have the handout in front of you. It should look like a two-page handout. It's very detailed. Um, it should say at the top, Teaching Language Arts, page one, then Teaching Language Arts, page two. And then across the top of both pages, it has the uh, grades. And uh, those are broken down, pre-K, preschool, kindergarten, first and second, third, second and third, fourth and fifth. There's some overlap also. And then down the left side of both pages should be the language arts area. Listening, phonics, reading, spelling, comprehension, writing, grammar, oral communication, slash literature, and penmanship. If you are at iTunes and you don't have this, um, you can go to Character Inc., blog or Raising Kids with Character blog. You can get there from either way and click on uh, Wondering Wednesday audios and videos and then you can find this there. The handout uh, will really help you tremendously. I would uh, not really want to follow the presentation without the handout uh, personally just because of the way I go through this. Um, I am going to actually, though, this has to be a 60-minute presentation, and I've had uh, trouble getting this information down to 60 minutes, so I am actually going to start um, with, well, actually, it's 60 minutes for Canada, but the podcasts are only supposed to be 45, and I have a lot of trouble keeping within that time frame, so we are going to actually start right on over into the first and second grade category. Because at Wondering Wednesday, blogs as well as videos, um, I mean podcasts as well as videos, both audios and videos, I have a ton of preschool and kindergarten information. How to prepare your kindergartner to read, what to do while you wait for readiness, uh, preschool activities, solving preschool problems, so much information at the blog because um, you might have heard a rumor that four to six-year-olds are my favorites, followed closely behind by every other age. And so um, there is a lot of material there for that. So for this particular uh, recording, I'm going to start in the second column, the second age group column. So let's start right off with listing. I would like to just hit some high points of each language arts area. For those of you who are not familiar with me, I am an author of over 70 curriculum books, to totaling over 40,000 pages. Uh, I began writing for another publisher 15 years ago, wrote about 20 books for them of complete language arts. Those books are out of print. That, that company no longer prints uh, much uh, no longer prints new no longer prints new books so uh that those are not available anymore but then we started our own small press and that is when i wrote character quality language arts which was based off of the first series that i wrote for another company and that is a complete language arts program with nearly all of the areas that you see listed on here it does not have penmanship or how to teach a child to read um those that would be you started in second grade so that would be post uh, reading instruction as far as decoding and that type of thing phonics um, it does have phonics for spelling and tons and tons of structural analysis uh, decoding words and stuff like that but um, and that program uh, I love that program I teach it uh, I test all of my books with 100 students my son and I do with 100 students in four different locations every school year and I'm continually testing all the new books like this like this month actually I have uh, five new readers coming out uh, that are available on Amazon and Kindle. You can look under Donna Reesh to find those. I have five new writing books right on Mowgli 
from second grade through 12th grade coming out, which are also available on Amazon and at our store. And I have two new meaningful composition books, uh, six one and six two. So anyway, I say all that to say that character quality language arts has all of these areas of language arts in it. And then we discovered that not everybody wants all of these areas, except for the penmanship and reading instruction. Not everybody wants all of those areas in one language arts book. They're very, very big books, 1,500 page work texts. And you give one unit a month and they're like 120 page units and so forth. And so not everybody wanted that all together. And so we pulled out the writing portions and we have our meaningful composition series. And so I just wanted to give you a little bit of background of where I'm coming from. My undergraduate degree is in elementary education. My master's work is in reading education and so uh, reading specialist. And so I, uh, that's where I've come from with this background. And so some of these things, you know, you will do simultaneously. And if you use a program like character quality language arts, which there are really none out there that have all of that woven into one to that extent, um, and so uh, if you use that, most of the stuff will be covered there. But if you don't use character called language arts, but suppose you use meaningful composition, which is uh, way more popular than character called language arts because of the, the thickness and the, uh, multi uh, the magnitude of it. Um, but if you use, for example, meaningful composition, then you would want to add like your grammar and other things. So that's where this will really come in handy to you, this presentation, to take you through each area and see what kind of are the high points for each grade level for each area of language arts. So with listening in first and second grade, um, we always talk about listening in our parenting seminars and in our other parenting materials besides just language arts because we have found that if you listen um, to your children when they are young, they will listen to you when they are older. And so that is just some parenting advice. But what that, how that comes to play here with language arts is that you want to teach your children, you want to listen to them all the time. But you also want to teach them to listen to you. And one of the ways that you can do that is through eye contact all the time. So when you are trying to build listening skills in your children, you want to be sure that you are making eye contact with them. Listening really, really starts with mom and dad reading aloud. And that verbal exchange, that oral exchange that takes place all the time, that's where listening begins. Um... Whether your children can do other things while they listen at first and second grade uh, level is uh, really completely based on the child's learning styles. I had kids who could sit from preschool, listen to chapter books, listen to me read factual books, you know, like Us Born and those type of books, um, but they would want to come over for the pictures, of course, but listen to me read the Bible and all kinds of text to them out loud while they built with Legos, colored, did penmanship, you know, all kinds of things. And then I had other children who needed to just nestle right up against me and were they were not able to comprehend while doing other things. So you want to be sure that if they're able to, that you give them that option if they so desire, because that builds other listening skills as well. But if they're not able to, don't push that because it's not a skill that everybody necessarily uh, achieves. I know personally, I can listen to some things really well while I do other things, but there are other things that I cannot. So uh, during this time period, this first to second grade time period, be sure to graduate to stories with no pictures, too. Um, we used a lot of audio materials with our children. Uh, those are listed at the blog, uh, suggestions for those. Um, we used a lot of those with our children. And so you want to be sure that those are, you're using those, those help build that listening uh, comprehension. Bible on audio, we use that extensively as well. Moving into second and third grade, uh, you do want to question them while reading, but you want to be sure that uh, you are, you know, asking really good questions, that you're not just, they don't feel like you're trying to catch them not listening, that they don't feel like you are trying to, you know, punish them or something, but instead that you are trying to have dialogue, that you are trying to see what their comprehension is of the material, to see if you're reading at their level, um, to see if, 
you know, the comprehension is taking place. So treat it more like a dialogue, but definitely question them and uh, definitely do not just ask literal questions like, you know, what color was the tablecloth, but rather, you know, why do you think she was upset while she was sitting the t- setting the table? And so you want to be sure that you move into upper level questioning too. Um, eye contact, continue that and continue the books on audio. Um, in the fourth and fifth grade, this is when, you know, we really start to emphasize, you know, listening to them and they'll listen to you later. Be sure that you are choosing higher level materials. It's really easy when you're reading aloud to your kids to do their favorites all the time. I know because I read hundreds of chapter books aloud to my children. I read aloud to my kids two to four hours a day for 20 five years. And so I know how easy it is to get stuck in a rut where you are reading, you know, just all boxcar children, all Sugar Creek gang, all grandma's attic, you know, all Harry Potter, whatever it might be, that you're just doing the the books that they enjoy and that they're used to you reading. But you want to be sure that you choose higher level materials uh, and, and that this good, this is a good age range to start doing this, the fourth to fifth grade level. Um, they're used to you reading chapter books by this time. You might want to start with chapter books that are their favorites, Magic School Bus, you know, those type of American Girls, those type of books. But then be sure that you graduate to higher level materials and even some classics. You can also, uh, a good way to introduce them to classics is to use, um, focus on the family's radio theater. They have at least um, a dozen, probably closer to 20 classical, well, a couple of dozen if you count all the Narnias, um, classical type of books that are on uh, radio drama. Really great way to build listening skills. Also a great way to introduce a book. You could read the book first then do the radio drama, then get the movie. So you're just really, really building comprehension through listening. Sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, you want to start applying the five W's when listening. So you can make a five W sheet for them that they can fill in occasionally, maybe once a week or something, or maybe not that often, but just the who, what, when, where, why, and of course how. Uh, You want them to learn to start to become active listeners. We did this uh, with our younger children even by note-taking during church. My husband would make a little um, half sheet. And for the little kids, they he had pictures of Jesus, Bible, uh, God, heaven. And he would have them put check marks or stars or something every time they heard those words. That was a good way that, to build active listening in younger kids during sermons and uh, those type of activities that are maybe not not directly at their level. Um, and then you can also do that, uh, require notes from church services every once in a while. Uh, we do that with our speech and debate kids. We always require them to take notes during church or sermon notes from someplace. And even if they listen to a sermon online and then bring that to class each week. And so those are really good ways to develop active listening in your children, in your students. Also, dictation is another great way to build active listening skills. We do dictation in our classes with our level A kids and our pre-A kids. So that would be first grade, second grade through sixth grade. We do dictation every week on the passage that they copied. That's another way to build um, active and um, deeper listening skills. Okay, when you're moving into the high school level, you want to be sure that uh, you are helping them with that active listening. If they're going to go to college, they have to be able to listen well. One of the downfalls of homeschooling is if you don't have them in any outside classes, which that's fine if you don't, but if you don't, then they don't have the opportunity to build some of those skills that they will need for college. And so uh, you want to teach them to listen during high school. You can continue dictation, but here are a couple of other things. For one thing, you can read material ahead of time uh, with them. So like before they are going to hear a lecture about something, they can read material. Our son, uh, we teach cottage classes to 240 students in four locations. 100 of those are just for our books, but 140 are also for my son's classes in uh, social sciences and um, speech, debate, literature, all kinds of things. And then our daughter, uh, who's a nurse, um, does science classes and Spanish. 
And so in that, my son's classes that are social sciences, government, econ, uh, um, American history, world history, uh, um, ancient history, government, I think I said that, uh, speech, not so much for speech, but they are lecture-based classes. And so he has them prepare for lectures. He has them look up things online and read things online. This is a way to help them gain valuable listening skills because they are preparing ahead of time. And so then they are bringing more to the experience. I'll talk more about that in comprehension in just a little bit. Uh, another way is to listen with a purpose. You can have study guides that they have to answer questions as they listen. You can have them uh, take notes and then revise it however they want into some kind of note form that works for them. We also have students in our speech and debate classes take notes as someone speaking and then re-give that presentation. And so those are all directed listening, very active listening activities. I want to move into phonics. Uh, I have a lot of phonics material there, uh, information there about preschool and kindergarten, and I have a lot at the blog, as I mentioned. I also have two, right now, preschool phonics products at the store. One is to teach uh, all the consonant, I mean, all the uh, letters of the alphabet and their sounds. Um, uh, the one is to teach all the letter recognition and their uh phonics cards. And the other one is to teach the letter sounds. And those are called um, uh, the ABC sound song packet because all the sounds are taught in song. And so uh, you might want to check that out if you're working with beginning sounds with your students. All right, first and second grade in phonics. The the phonics instruction that you are going to need, well, the reading instruction in general uh, should be phonics based. Um, and there are a lot of great phonics programs out there, and I have reviews of those at the blog. So check out those reviews. But uh, you want to be sure that they are ready to learn to read. I have a lot about that at the blog also. You want to be sure that they're ready to learn to read. And once your child learns word families, and I hope that you're using a word family approach. I have articles at the blog <laughs> about that. I hope you're using a word family approach at, at, ad, ac, am, an, Al, um, ac, ag, so forth, because that opens up lots of words really quickly. So you want to be sure that they are ready for phonics. But if they are ready for phonics, once you learn, once they learn the very first family, you need to start teaching them to blend. Some programs call this chunking, and this is where you will take the beginning sounds and you'll add, you'll attach it to the family. So it's it's cat, mat, hat, sat. All of a sudden, they learn 10 words that day. It opens up phonics instruction phenomenally, and it makes them feel very positive about learning to read. You want to remember that phonics is a hearing subject. Phonics is not a written subject. So if your student is using a textbook to learn phonics, you want to be sure that you also do the auditory component with them. So phonics should never only be taught with a workbook because it is a hearing subject. So you don't want that to take the place of oral instruction. So be sure you're doing that oral exchange as well. Um, next, in second and third grade, hopefully they're about to reach reading fluency. That is when they can pick up most picture books from the library or from your bookshelves and read that book, read those books. That means that they are they have tackled their phonic skills. Now, when I say pick up books, I'm ta not talking about phonetically controlled readers that have only all short vowel words, long vowel words, you know, those type of things. I'm not talking about, um, and I have a whole workshop on nothing but reading, so uh, that this is all in there, but I'm not talking about vocabulary controlled ones where they are just doing um, word books that have these 20 words in it, or these 25 words. I'm talking about being able to pick up Amelia Bedelia, being able to pick up um, uh, uh, Clifford the Big Red Dog, any type of picture book at all, um, and especially, you know, some of the harder ones that have, you know, more text on each page, like Frog and Toad and Little Bear and those type of things, that he they can pick those up and read any of those. That is when your your student is close to reading reaching reading fluency. And so as long as your child has not reached reading fluency, phonics instruction is still necessary. 
So be sure that you're not moving out of phonics too soon. Some people move out of phonics as soon as the the child can read Bob books. And I think that that's a disservice to them because there are a lot of phonics rules that they need for spelling in a little while. And if you move out too soon, they don't have that background in phonics to, to bring to their spelling experiences. So don't move too soon out of phonics for reading. Uh, hopefully in the fourth and fifth grade, though, that is completed and you are ready to move into phonics for spelling. I'll talk about that a little uh, further down. All right, phonics for 6th, 7th, and 8th graders. Uh, it should be in, uh, finished by this time, and it should all be based on spelling. So we'll move into that a little bit. And you want to be sure that uh, you're using structural, structural analysis with these kids as they're reading. Um, and uh, we'll talk about that in the next section. Okay, we're going to move into reading now. And... Um, Start again at the first and second grade level. And one of the things that's super important when teaching a child to read is that you have applications. I always tell uh, my audience that read that phonics is for reading and grammar is for listening and writing. And unless we look at it that way, that phonics is not an end in itself. Phonics is for reading. Phonics decoding, that is for reading. Grammar is for speaking and writing. And so when we think about that, we will consider the fact that it's not really a reading lesson unless the child reads. And so we want to be sure that we are having the child read to us. And I recommend, and I did with my children twice a day uh, during the learning to read stages, twice a day to check on phonics application. We had... um, two book baskets, and one book basket was our oral reading basket, and the other one was our silent reading basket. This was just for that student who's learning to read. We had all kinds of other book baskets for other reading applications throughout the day, but this was for the child who was learning to read. And I put the books in order of difficulty, uh, and I labeled them in the basket, in the oral reading basket. And that those were the books that the child read to me every day out loud. Once, a ch- once the child mastered a book orally, that is that he didn't need any more cueing from me. He didn't need any more um, help in decoding or anything like that. He was able to sound out all the words on his own. Then that book moved from his oral reading basket to a silent reading basket. And so he read out loud to me twice a day. And then he read silently by himself for any books that he already read with me. When you are teaching a child to read, be sure that you are using truly controlled readers. Um, I know I mentioned this before, but I have a lot of information at the blog about this. Uh, This is my area of expertise, so to speak, before I started writing all the language arts books that I've written. Um, And I just can't stress it enough that you don't just pick up readers at the grocery store or the library that say in the corner, you know, primer or... K or first or whatever, because those are often not truly phonetically controlled. You want truly phonetically controlled books. That's why I like to use a phonics program that has readers with it. Uh, That is one reason why I really recommend the um, Saxon phonics program, because there is a reader for every single sound. And if you have a phonics program that doesn't have a reader with it, then you can, you know, write out sentences of the, all the words that he's learning and have him read those every day. Ha, you know, you can get the Bob books and other little phonetically controlled books that the child can read that have the exact sound that you just worked on. You want to be sure that it's truly controlled. If you end up with some of these books that say kindergarten or first grade and they have two syllable words in them and three syllable words in them and it's your first, your child's first month of reading instruction and he's only had you know, the short vowels so far, he's going to be very frustrated and feel very, very defeated. And so you want to be sure to do that. Another thing that I do is in readers in general, once we move out of the phonetically controlled, then we move into the vocabulary controlled. As I just mentioned, these 30 words are on there. I have a review of like six sets of readers at the blog. I really hope that you'll go there and see those reviews. And that was the order that I would put them in because then after he moves out of the Bob books, then I use the hear me read readers because those have a list on the back. These 20 words are the only 20 words in this book. 
So as long as your child can read those 20 words, he can read that book. And so you want to be sure that it's very, very controlled, that you're being very careful about that at this stage. Also, as you move into other readers, and suppose you move out of those phonetically controlled and even somewhat out of the vocabulary controlled, you want to be sure that you're using the five-finger rule. That is that your child uh, can read a book like like if he's reading boxcar children for example that he not at this age but that he can read you know all but five words once he gets to five words that book needs to be put away for later because there's going to be a lot of frustration that sets in all right second and third grade you want to continue to do the oral reading to check on the phonics application until reading fluency is reached i mentioned that reading fluency was when he could pick up any picture book at all even better if he can read the very, very simple chapter books. I will put a plug right now in for my readers. I just put up uh, three new readers at Amazon, uh, Sounded Out Mowgli, Sounded Out Baloo, Sounded Out Brother Wolf. Those are about second grade level readers. The nice thing about those readers is they have the second grade text below the picture and on the opposite page from the picture, it has parent text. So it's a storybook and a reader. They're storybooks and readers all in one. Also, a coloring book that is the same way called Collar and Read Mowgli has the, the same idea. It's practicing reading while they're uh, coloring, and you can also read it out loud to them. Um, but also, the new chapter books that I'm starting to put up that I've just written. The first one is called uh, Read a Chapter Mowgli. There's right, not now necessarily at the second or third grade, but at some point, usually fourth and fifth, children are ready to move out of picture books and into longer books. And I know for me, for our kids, that was a really difficult stage because the student would say, I can't read that. There aren't pictures. It's too long. I just remember having a lot of frustration at that age. And so um, the chapter book that I just put up, that I just finished writing, uh, read a chapter Mowgli. It is to bridge the gap between picture books and chapter books. There are, uh, there's at least one picture in every short chapter. The chapters are only one to three pages long. It's at about a fourth grade reading level and it bridges the gap from reading picture books to chapter books. There are others like that, that you can get at the library too. You want to find chapter books that look like chapter books, but are still kind of picture books. So if you know what I mean there, uh, that are still pretty controlled, but yet, um, you know, the child thinks, oh, wow, I can read chapter books. That's a really good stage. So you want to um, start doing that here between uh, fourth and fifth grade level. Um, when your child is reading out loud to you, you can, uh, I'm sorry, when you're reading out loud to your child at, at any stage, but especially once a child starts reading, uh, you can read at a higher and higher level to that child. So you don't have to necessarily, you know, try to control the vocabulary or to control the content when you're reading out loud to the child, and even when the child is reading out loud to you, because you'll be there to cue him. The whole beauty of the oral reading is that you're moving into the next reader, the next reader, the next reader, and that you're increasing in difficulty as you go through. So it won't be necessarily the oral readers that he reads with to you will not necessarily be something that he can just read very easily. They will be a little bit difficult, and you will have to cue him. You will have to prompt him, but that is how he will learn to read. So uh, over to the fourth and fifth grade, I talked a minute ago about moving into chapter books and doing that painlessly at this age. Um, also, my kids liked using like the Abeka and the um, the Nature Readers by I think those are Rod and Staff, the Abeka Readers, um, a lot of compilations, story compilations. Um, I have several reviews at the blog of, of compilation books that I read out loud to my kids. But you can also use those type of books to have your child do his silent reading and even some of his oral reading. And these are often called graded readers. Um, they might be under literature in some some places. I know uh, Timberdoodle has some really great new ones with graphics and pictures and some uh, illustrated um uh, graphic, uh, graphic novels and things like that. Those are really great for this age range because they are 
expanding their reading vocabulary greatly while still, you know, relying somewhat on pictures and still having the security of pictures and less text. And so uh, you can move into that. Also, at this stage, I like to start assigning biographies. I started out with Childhood of Famous Americans. Those are excellent biographies for fourth grade level. Uh, we have a biographical compilation called Cloud of Witnesses. That's really, really great for fourth grade level. And so uh, the, that is some things that you can move into to move out of picture books and into chapter books at those ages. All right, reading in the sixth, seventh, and eighth grade levels. At this stage, you probably don't really need a lot of oral reading, um, but if reading fluency has not been reached, keep reading every day with your child. That is your child reading to you. I read to my kids all through high school, and I still read to my husband. Sometimes we'll read, we still read Christmas stories out loud with my all my grown kids. So um, I'm not talking about you reading. I'm talking about the child reading. If reading fluency has not been reached, keep on reading. Keep on having him read to you every day. Use graded readers. Keep keep that reading going. You can also check a lot of um, fluency and word calling and his decoding skills and things like that by reading the Bible aloud every day. And that can definitely be multi-level. So you can, you know, have a Bible reading time. Everybody reads you know, one verse if you're in first grade, two verses if you're in second, three if you're in third, you know, do something to make it uh, grade level appropriate and to make it, um, you know, uh, weighted according to their grade um, and according to their readability, they're able to, their ability to read, but also just that is a great way to check for, um, to check for oral reading, to check for phonics and decoding and stuff. You just want to make sure that you don't completely never hear your child read after fourth or fifth grade. Um, I know we've had a lot of experiences in speech and debate where kids could not sound out words like, um, we had a funny experience with gynecological. They were talking about gynecologist during a, um, um, an insurance debate. And uh, that ended up being very funny, actually. But anyway, <laughs> you just want to be sure that you spot check. And, the, and a great way to do that is to do Bible time all the time. Uh, you want to be sure that in this junior high level that you're doing a wide variety of reading materials, that he's able to approach most types of material. I think that's a real beauty of using a unit study approach like Sunlight or My Father's World or Tapestry of Grace because they are introduced to all types of materials through those unit studies. And those are really great for reading, for building reading skills. Um, also continue to assign silent reading in the content areas, social studies, science, you know, those type of things that he is reading out of his readers, you know, and that you're, you have some sort of mechanism in place to spot check that. All right. In high school level, you want him to be able to approach all types of materials. And this is one good thing about doing a lot of writing and also like a speech and debate, that they are going to encounter a lot of types of materials. And so that just really increases their reading comprehension because they are not just always reading their readers. They're not just always reading their textbooks that are at their level. They are reading a variety of materials. All right, I want to move into spelling. And in the first and second grades, we don't have a lot of spelling instruction. Our spelling instruction for our kids begins when they can pretty much read any picture book. That is the age that we recommend that they start CQLA, Character Quality Language Arts, in second grade pre-A level. And so uh, you want to um, not be giving spelling lists and a lot of grammar uh, assignments and parts of speech and things like that in first and second grade if reading fluency isn't reached. What you're doing is asking too many skills all at the same time. Yes, there is some overlap and sometimes uh, writing their words they're learning to read will help with spelling and will also help with reading. So I'm not opposed to it. I know there's a program called Writing Road to Reading and uh, people, some people have had a lot of success with that um, because they do write while they're learning to read, but not all children are ready to do that. And you're asking for too many skills at one time if they're not. So what you're really doing is if you're going to say you're going to write while you read, while you do spelling, so while you learn to read. So what you're doing is you're asking for penmanship, which often is not ready to write a, a lot of words. You're asking for a penmanship skill, which is an art skill. 
Okay, so I'll just tell that before I even get to the penmanship part. You're asking for spelling skills, which may not be in place if reading fluency isn't in place. A big part of spelling skills are built, a big part of spelling skills is built as the student reads. And so if he hasn't reached reading fluency, you're asking for him to bring a lot of skills to the table, to the spelling table, so to speak, without having that background of experience to bring to that. And so um, you want to be careful that you don't jump into spelling. We're going to have long spelling lists. You're going to do all this before reading fluency is reached. Spelling is the inverse of reading in the same way that Subtraction is the inverse of addition, and division is the inverse of multiplication. And just like your student can become a great divider once he knows all of his multiplication skills, your student can become a better speller once he knows all of his phonics skills too. Um, he cannot spell what he cannot read, and he needs to decode before he encodes. So... Um, Anyway, enough on that. All right, so now that you're moving into second, third grade, when he has finished phonics for reading first, then you want to move into a spelling program. If you have used a word family approach to reading, your spelling program will be easy to use. All right, um, first of all, let me talk about the type of program you want to use for spelling. You want to use a word family spelling approach. That is, you don't want to use a vocabulary-based spelling approach. So you don't want to use, uh, I, where you might see this is like workbooks from Sam's Club and the grocery store. And I love some of those Sam's Club workbooks. I've used those, especially the summer ones. They are outstanding that you can get like at Sam's Club and Costco and, and even Barnes and Noble and places like that. But some of those mass marketed, you know, not necessarily made from somebody who's teaching all the time, um, uh, that's a problem with a lot of curriculum. It's not made by somebody who is in the classroom right now, especially in homeschool circles where you're sitting across the table from kids and you, you know, you can really see what's going on. That's one reason why I test my books with so many students in different locations every year, because that's the only way we can know what truly, truly works. But some of those types of materials will have like a spelling book that has like spelling words from the beach. Spelling words, words about camping, spelling in the kitchen, spelling, you know, in the yard, spelling baby words, you know, having to do with babies. And so the problem with those is that those are based on vocabulary. They're based on what the words mean, and they're not based on how the words are spelled. So you want to use a spelling program that is not vocabulary based, but one that is um phonetically based and especially one that is word family based in the same way that you get that at family down pat and you put 10 12 consonants on the front of that at family for for learning to read that same thing happens with spelling when you use spelling commonalities when you use word families so um, we have a I have a book called the spelling notebook that divides all of the spelling rules up by spelling commonalities, you can use it with any spelling program that you're using. And it is the same word families that I use for teaching reading. And it's the same order that I use for teaching reading. Um, I've actually used it to teach reading also. But with the word families that are on each page of that, you write the words from that family underneath the right category. It is available as a digital download at our store, and it's also available as a, a print book um, that you can order there. But it is based on word families. So even if you don't use that as a, that would be a supplement to whatever spelling program you use. Even if you don't use that, just be sure your spelling program is word family based. Now, again, you're going to finish your, your phonics for reading. You're going to have reading fluency reached, and then you're going to add phonics for spelling. Uh, this, your spelling program that is based on word families and phonics also. The beauty of using a word family approach to have taught the student to read is that that's the exact same approach that you'll use for spelling. If you use ladder letters to teach reading, like ba, ba, bi, ba, ba, which isn't true, ba never says ba, it always says ba, be never says ba, it always says be, bi never says bi, it always says by. So there are a lot of problems with that approach. But if you taught your child to read with that approach, and sometimes students do learn to read pretty quickly, there are some popular programs out there with that approach. 
they might have a little bit of problem when you start spelling. So just be aware of that and be sure that you're moving slowly because it's going to be a different approach for spelling than what he learned to read with. So uh, just be aware of that and be sure that you're not um, expecting too much if it's a different approach. All right, fourth and fifth grade, um, you want to read often for spelling. This is a, a huge, huge part of uh, spelling is that your student starts to recognize when something is misspelled simply from seeing words spelled correctly all the time while reading. Uh, we uh, keep misspelled words. This is an optional uh, thing that we do with our uh, classes, our character quality language arts, and our program has the character quality language arts program has you do that too, but you can do this with any program. That is that when your child has a spelling list and he misses them, misses words on that list, you, we make a spelling sticker on a sticky note and that goes to his next week and joins the new bunch of words. And so that is just a good way because suppose he missed three short A words, all of those will have that commonality that he will take with him to spell next time. All right, 6th, 7th, and 8th grade, you want to continue with the word family spelling commonalities approach uh, to spelling. You want to um, uh, normally still have weekly spelling lists and tests at this age. And your spelling program should branch out at least by 6th grade and preferably way before that into structural analysis. Why? When do you drop the Y and change it to I and make an add ES? When do you um, change the spelling in a word because you added a suffix? Uh, why do you never change the spelling of a word when you add a prefix? Those things should be built into your spelling uh, program. If not, you know, you can use some things, uh, another, you know, workbook like from, um, oh, I'm trying to think the one about thinking skills. They have really good uh roots, prefix, suffixes, and that type of thing. You could also use um, word, um, uh, explode the code. That's really another good spelling program that does that too. All right, high school level, you want to continue anything that is needed. Usually they don't always need a spelling list each week for high school, but if they do, you know, continue to do that. And at this point, um, it is okay to branch out to vocabulary-based words. And that way they are learning to spell and to define at the same time. All right, I want to move on now to comprehension. Okay, I'm definitely not going to make the 45-minute cutoff here, but <laughs> comprehension. Um, again, when going back to the listening, um, a lot of comprehension is built through listening. You can tell a lot from a child's listening comprehension. Now, listening comprehension can tell you a lot, but it can also be a little bit misleading. One thing is that if you have a child who is very, who is a late reader, but he has a lot of good comprehend, oral comprehension skills, listening comprehension skills, then that is a good sign, a really, really good sign, actually, because a late reader is often a child who is dyslexic or has dyslexic tendencies. And maybe he is not able to decode as early or as quickly as other students at first. But if he has a high listening comprehension, that tells you that if he were able to decode, that is the level that of which he would be able to comprehend, re, comprehend when he reads. And so it's a really good sign. I had two dyslexics and one was severely dyslexic and, um, and she was very, very smart. And so... I didn't know it at the time, even though I had most of my master's done by that time in reading specialist, I didn't know that, that she was, that it didn't matter that she couldn't decode yet, that she would eventually learn. We had to try a lot of methods. We had to use dyslexic techniques, you know, uh, and so forth. But I didn't understand that her listening comprehension is what really mattered because that told me the level that she would be able to comprehend at later on. Now, if you have an average child, that's not always the case because some kids can learn to decode really early and but their comprehension might not be as high and so that's a little bit misleading to say that uh you know that their listening comprehension is going to indicate their comprehension overall but i will say that building listening comprehension does carry over to other 
to their reading comprehension. And so you want to be sure that that's why I read to my kids two to four hours a day for 25 years. I knew I knew I understood a lot about comprehension and I understood a lot about listening comprehension and the effect that it had on their reading. And so um, you want to be sure to do everything to build that comprehension. So in the first and second grade level, a lot of times um, with multi-level teaching, your younger students will have the opportunity to really gain a lot from your oral reading with them, from the oral reading with older siblings, unit studies with older siblings, and so on. So you want them to join in just as soon as they can. Uh, Begin a reading a wide variety of materials. I would read to my students every day from like 10 different genres of materials because we had our our Bible time in the morning with dad, we had Bible with mom, we had unit studies with mom, we had story time with mom, we had chapter books with mom. And so because of that, they would have all these various genres that I was reading from. They would have the regular Bible, picture Bible, nature books, science books, animal, uh, a lot of animal books, I guess that would fall under nature um, poetry. I always read poetry to them. Biographical. I always read biographies every single day. We read out of biographies, um, fiction chapter books, picture books, you know, fiction picture books, and just so many different types of materials. And then even within those, we would have a lot of, you know, subgenres, so to speak. And so you can really build a lot of, uh, comprehension through that. Avoid comprehension during child's early reading. While you want to question the child when you are reading to the child, you want to build that oral comprehension, that auditory comprehension, you want to be sure that you're not focusing too much on comprehension when he's just learning how to read. If he isn't an early reader, Matt sat, Matt sat on Sam, Sam sat on Matt, Matt was sad, Sam was sad, you don't want to bother with comprehension. You want to let him do the hard work of reading. Let him learn, do the hard work of decoding, I should say, because reading is a true pronged effort. It is decoding and it is comprehension. And during the early years, especially first grade or so, kindergarten first, sometimes they all need a second, uh, for my couple of my kids didn't learn to read until they were nine. During that time, you know, focusing on comprehension is very frustrating because it's taking everything he's got to sound out the words. But don't de- neglect comprehension entirely, right? Because you want to build that comprehension. You want whenever he's ready to take off in reading, you want that comprehension in place through all the reading and the discussion and everything that you've already done with him. So um, avoid the comprehension questions there. Uh Moving into second and third grade, as you write, as your child starts writing and uh, learning to write sentences and learning to write paragraphs, his comprehension will increase dramatically as he writes from sources. The reason for that is because he is interacting with the material through another stimulus, right? He is, he's not just reading it. He's not just reading it and discussing it. He's not just reading it and answering questions about it. He is also taking notes from it and then rewriting it. And so he has more different approaches, more different interactions that he's bringing to the reading process. And so writing from a source will help increase his comprehension extremely well. And so all of our books, Meaningful Composition and Character Quality Language Arts and Write on Mowgli and Write on Peter Pan, all of my writing books have them writing from a given source. And then they also then learn to find their own sources and write from those. And we start this even as early as second grade. We teach them, we give them a passage and we, we have like a paragraph house where they fill in the blanks with notes and then they write it from their paragraph or they have the five W's question and answer paragraph or the, if this happens and that happens uh, outlining approach, all of these outlining approaches to writing actually build comprehension. And so once your child has reached reading fluency, you can start doing the writing instruction that will also build comprehension. Model comprehension. Be sure that it's not just a, a question and answer, that it is a discussion. Why do you think that? What makes you think that? Why do you feel that? What do you think would have happened? You know, you want to do that higher level of comprehension questions as, of, as well. Now, all the time, 
through all areas of language arts, you are building his background of experience. So you are bringing that background of experience. You are just building it, building it, building it. You build, when you build a background of experience in your child, your child is bringing that background experience to every single reading experience he has. And so the more learning hooks that he can have, I like to think of it as a, a, an old fashioned dry cleaners with all of those hooks hanging up there. And some of them have clothing hanging on them and some of them are just empty and you just keep filling each of those up, filling each of those hooks up and it just spins around and around and around. If you're too young, you might not know anything about this anyway. (laughs) And you just keep filling those clothespins up with material and you just keep adding and adding and adding. And then he has all of those to draw from. We talk about this in our parenting seminar as building your child's moral bank, always giving him material that he can pull from for later on. What do I do in this situation? I had a situation similar to this before, and this is what I was taught. So I'm going to bring that same experience to this experience, and this is how I'm going to behave. We talk about that a lot in our parenting seminar. The same thing is true in comprehension. You bring every single thing I've talked about so far to your child. And then you add to that real experiences at the zoo, you know, um, non-real, you know, more, you know, just vicarious experience through books, through video, through audio, through discussion. You bring all of that and your child has all of that. The more you give to your child in the background of experience, the more building of that background of experience you give to him, the better his success will be in school, the better his comprehension will be, and the better he'll do in the content areas as well. So you want to be sure to be doing that all the time. Do you want to do that from birth? All right, then fourth and fifth grade, reading together and discussing um, study skills. I have a lot of blog posts about um, how to approach textbooks. I think I have a podcast episode or two. How to approach textbooks so that the child gets the most out of it. A lot of times the comprehension for what, from textbooks could really be eliminated. The, the lack of comprehension could really be eliminated simply by teaching your child how to use that textbook. So I have some blog posts about how to do this at Character Inc. blog. But you want to... You want to take your child and you want to open every book that he gets and you want to just pour over it with him. Put on sticky notes, different colored sticky notes for different things. Make notes on the sticky notes. Look at the glossary. Look at this great glossary. That's going to help you do this. Look at the headers. See, that bold font means this. Look at the sidebars. That will help you when you're doing this. Look at the questions at the end and let's work on those for a few weeks together and see if those help you comprehend the material or prepare for the test and so forth. So much of comprehension can be built simply by textbook previewing. That's what it's called the blog, textbook previewing. Teach key words of a sentence. Again, this comes from writing, from material. You're going to teach the child through the writing process, and our books do this automatically. You don't have to like figure out what source to use, how to teach them to get keywords, how to write sentence by sentence. All that is done for you in all of my writing and language arts books. But when you do that, what you're doing is you're teaching him that verbs are the forward motion of a sentence, that the subject does the verb, and that those are the two key elements to any sentence. And that is a, that is how you can comprehend also break it bare bones down. Now you want to be able to comprehend all reading between the lines, all the inferential, all the non-literal. You want to be able to comprehend all that too, but it starts with who's doing something and what is that person doing? And that comprehension can be built again from writing from material. And again, also advanced thinking questions that I just talked about. All right, when you get into 6th and 7th and 8th grade level, you want to continue to teach how to approach textbooks. I would never have my child use a textbook without having spent at least 30 minutes with that textbook and that child to begin with. You can also start to teach reading rates and reading purposes. We had one child who tested out of his entire degree of college except for one class that there was no test, two classes that there were no tests for. We've also had a couple of kids test out of one to two years. Um, well, one to three, I guess my, my daughter was getting her degree in June. She tested out of three years and then she had to take one year of classes that there were no tests for. And so, uh, we have a lot of experience with testing out of degrees and I have, um, podcast episodes about that too, uh, at the blog. <laughs> and, um, we want to teach reading rates 
That is, how do you approach this? What is your purpose for coming to this material? You know, you you want to teach your science uh, dissection notes and instructions in a different way than you're going to treat your latest novel that you're reading. And so we want to teach them how to do this. And it's not something that just comes naturally. Instead, we want to just casually teach, you know, okay, you know, how, how can you get the most from this dissection experiment? What helps you the most? And teach him how he learns. Teaching children how they learn opens up learning for them for their lifetime. And it really, really aids in comprehension. It also aids in their love for learning because as they know how they know, they know how they learn, that is going to help them. I always tell all of my students that you know more than you think you know. You know more than you think you know. And then I always say, what do you already know? What do you already know? Because then when they start vocalizing what they already know, they realize they know more than they thought they knew. So, uh, again, lots of things that you can do just in interaction, interactions and discussion, focusing on uh, main ideas and then the details, helping them see that in their text. And then, of course, asking those various levels of questions from preschool will really, really carry over. Whatever you do with your kids is not wasted. And I don't want to get on my parenting seminar here, but the fact of the matter is, Every single thing we do for our children is not wasted. It can We can use it to build on, and we can use it to teach them to build on it. We can use it to teach them to apply over and over and over again all the time. And so nothing is ever wasted. So don't think, you know, that was a waste of time. Instead, use what you've already done and build on that. Uh, this discussion and oral exchange is still superior and you want to be sure that uh, vocabulary is built through context. Yes, there are a lot of good vocabulary programs. We have a, uh, a an ebook that we're going to have in the next few months called Definition Dissection: Teaching a Child to Dissect Text in Six Ways. We it is built into CQLA already, but we're going to offer it as a separate program because teaching your children how to look at words how to break them down, what the root was, what the prefix means, what the suffix means, uh, what the context around the word means. That's all super, super important. Wordly wise is another good one for that. Wordly wise, that's another program that's good for vocabulary building and con- uh, comprehension building. All right, in high school, their reading and writing connection continues to be strong and they are going to learn so much through writing. So, um, you know, get meaningful composition, have your kids write every single solitary week. And there are, there are so many different types of writing. They'll be exposed to everything. They'll write stories. They'll write instructionals. They'll write essays. They'll write persuasively. They'll write reports. Um, it, we just, we have uh, 22 books in that series that will be done uh, in August of 2016. Right now we have um, fourth grade through 12th grade done. So, um, and kids everywhere are learning to write really well through that. Um, continue with the directed writing approach. That is, um, I'm sorry, I, I was dropped down. Continue through using roots um, also uh, to build comprehension. All right, I'm going to move into writing because I'm definitely going to run out of time. So um, in writing, this is my real area, and here I only have a few minutes left to do it. So first and second grade, uh, you want them to just, uh, in writing, they can start by copying sentences uh, we start with um, second and third grade in our meaningful composition as well as in our character quality language arts, having them do copy work that they're going to write from later because then they are interacting with the text even more. Uh, be careful that you don't push writing too soon at this level. Again, we don't start teaching writing per se until reading fluency is reached. Um when you do move into teaching writing, you want to be sure that the language arts is connected to it. So if you're not going to use a program like character quality language arts where the grammar and writing and editing and all that is linked all together, then you want to be sure that if you're just like using meaningful composition, you want to be sure that you're using a grammar program like Easy Grammar or um, uh, oh, what is that other one that I always talk about? Um, 
sequential grammar, um, one of those that they're doing grammar at the same time so that when they're learning to add prepositional phrase openers in my writing books, they are also learning what prepositions are and they're memorizing prepositions and so forth in their grammar program. Um, in the second and third grade, uh, they're still going to be writing sentence by sentence. We teach that uh, uh, a sentence is made up of words. Um, actually, we start with a report is made up of paragraphs. A paragraph is made up of sentences. A sentence is, ma sentence is made up of words. And so start with the sentences at first and then go into paragraph writing. Again, if you're using meaningful composition, this will be done for you, so you won't have to worry about it. Um, writing is a spoken word written down. So a really good approach in the early grades is dictation for them to dictate their story to you, especially if you have late readers. If you have late readers, you want your readers to dictate to you. Um, because you don't want them to think just because I can't read and I can't write doesn't mean I can't think. We don't want them to think that they can't think or they can't write. Uh, our child who was dyslexic, I took dictation from her till she was 12. She learned to read at nine, but she didn't learn to write until she was 12. Now I do want to add this because I've talked about her a little bit. She went on to get to write, uh, the four, she went on to write four, uh, elementary language arts books for us. She for another company and for us, she went on to write two health manuals for missionaries when she was a missionary nurse, and she got perfect scores on the verbal ACT two different times. So I always like to throw that in there when I'm talking about dyslexics because it doesn't mean anything for their learning. It only means that they are unable to decode and encode in a normal way and maybe at the normal speed. But it doesn't mean they can't think because she is a fantastic thinker. So I take dictation for them. Let them just tell you what they want. It will let them see both before they're able to write and even when they're, if they're behind in writing. Take dictation so that they can see that writing is a spoken word written down. Fourth and fifth grade level, you're going to move in from sentences to paragraph to multi-paragraph. You want to use a directed writing approach. So if you don't use one of our books, uh, one of our write-on books or um, meaningful composition, you want to be sure that everything is laid out. One reason why children hate writing is because they don't know how to write. And we give them what I consider to be writing idea books. That is where we just give them materials that they have ideas on how on what to write, but we don't actually direct them. Our books and our materials, and you can uh, there are some freebies available at our site too to try out. Uh, all of our books have free lessons that you can try. And um, they teach direct in a directed way. That means that we direct them exactly word for word exactly what to do so that they know how to write the type of writing that you're asking them to write. From pre-writing all the way through final copy, we have our directed writing approach that takes them every step of the way by the hand. So be sure that it's directed, that they're not just being told write about George Washington, but that they have maps and, and outlining techniques and, and research techniques and everything taught to them every step of the way. Uh, also at this stage, you want to, them to go from outline to rough draft to final. You want them to see a, a gorgeous, wonderful final copy. Sixth, seventh, and eighth grade writing. You want to do writing work daily. They should always be doing something to do with writing. Uh, if you're using a directed writing approach, it'll have, you know, like an assignment for research, an assignment for brainstorming, an assignment for outlining, assignment for writing the rough draft, an assignment for learning how to write quotes. It'll have all that built in there so that they are constantly doing daily writing work. Apply grammar to the writing consistently. I talked about that a little bit ago, that they can't learn to add adverbs if they haven't learned about adverbs in their grammar. You want to be sure that all types are taught. Um, and that they are able to use dictionaries, thesauruses, etc., even online ones well. All right, by high school, your goal for your writer should be to apply all grammar to writing and to be able to do all usage and grammar aspects in writing. So if you have a high school student and you've done a boatload of grammar and he you know, can do the assignments with quotes and uh, parentheses and dashes and colons and so forth, but he can't actually write with them, then we've missed the boat in grammar instruction because grammar is for writing and speaking. So if he can't do 
the skills that he's been taught in grammar in his own writing, then he hasn't achieved the application step, the final step of learning grammar. So you want to be sure that uh, you use something that's built into it. We have a, um, it was a freebie in March. I think it might be $6 now. And that is a, a booklet, How to Complete the Checklist Challenge. And it also has a two-part video with it. How to do the checklist challenge. If you do not have a writing program that has you your child applying grammar to it, you want you might want to get that and walk, work through it with him because he has to learn how to do sentence openers, how to do semicolons and so forth in a systematic way. Uh, so you want to be sure that grammar is applied to writing. You also want to be sure that all composition types are are taught and have been practiced by the time he's done with high school so that when he goes into college, if he goes to college, he will not have trouble trying to write a persuasive piece because he's never done that before or trying to write a literary analysis because he's never done that before. Um, All types and all types of um, all the steps all the way through the writing process. So this is where I'm going to have to end. And for Canada, our workshops next month, I'm going to have to do something drastically different in order to get through all of this material in 60 minutes. But I hope that this has been a help to you in teaching language arts. Um, If you're local, we'd love to have you in our classes. If you're not local, I hope you'll check out all of our free samples at Character Inc. blog for all of our materials. And we're adding materials literally every week now. And so I hope that you'll check those out. We are also adding a lot of digital products. And so uh, that is for you new young moms who uh, use those uh, digital things rather than using everything in uh, paper and uh, print format. So anyway, I hope that this has been a help to you. I would love to come and do workshops for your group. I would love to um, do writing workshops. My son and I do writing and language arts workshops. My husband and I would love to come and do our parenting seminar. We'd love to come and do a homeschool seminar uh, in your area. So give us a ring and let's get together and let Character Inc. and Raising Kids with Character help you in your homeschool and in your parenting. Also, check out my blog, Plexus, to feel great if you need energy, if you have any problems at all with inflammation, weight control, um, energy level, just great products that I would love to help you with too. Thank you. This has been Donna Reese.